Hello, this is Jackson. On this episode of the podcast, we talk to Peter Michael Marino about his friend's show, Show Up. Let's be artful. Are we recording? Oh, okay, sure. Hey. hey, actually, it's the comment that you made, you know, talking right as the recording starts. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. I love that. Okay, so, first of all, this is Peter. His show is Show Up. I got to see it yesterday. I loved it. I know we've talked a lot recently. Um, but first of all, how many fringes have you done? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know. How many times have you been to Cincinnati? Oh, this is my first Cincinnati fringe. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Uh, how is it going so far? Well, this is great. This is an awesome festival. Yeah. I mean, this is like... It's amazing how, like... The city is so generous, not only to like individuals, but like to the whole festival. Yeah, and um, yeah, this is an awesome festival. I I woke up thinking that it was over next Saturday, and I kind of got depressed. I was like, oh, I got to get a lot done now in the next week, and then I realized I actually have till the following Saturday. Nice. So, so, so then I went back to sleep happy. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> okay, so I was able to see the performance yesterday, and it was wonderful. Um, I think the best way I can describe it was your show when I entered, you gave us a program, but the program was on a post-it note. That's correct. Um, And on the post-it note, it said the title, Show Up, and then it said, Not About or Written by Peter Peter Michael Michael Marino. Marino. So it wasn't written by you. It's not about you. So what is it about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's about the audience. I mean... Solo shows are usually about a person revealing some kind of personal life-changing event, and I hadn't had any of those in a long time. So I thought I would create a show that was about the audience's life-changing events, uh, from love life to job to revelations to everything in between. And everything is prompted during the show. It is. The first half of the show is the setup where I'm sharing my own examples of those things and then getting the examples from the audience. And then the second half of the show is when I improvise a one-person show using, trying to use all of those elements while the audience is also controlling the sound and the set and the props. So It's really not complicated, is, I swear. <laughs> it's not, nothing is under your control at all. <laughs> nothing is under my control. I like that, though. So with it being completely improvised, uh, aside from the first half of it where you're setting it up, um, what was the writing process of that like? When, when it came to the setup and coming up with a concept, yeah. how did you envision that? Well, there was, yeah, there actually was a process. I didn't think there would be, and I was disappointed to find out there would be. Um, <laughs> I thought, I really thought I could just like, see what happened if like it's showtime and I just get up on stage and go, okay, well, what's the show going to be? Let's see. And it just, I kind of workshopped it with some friends, like in my living room, and it just became crowd work, which yeah. actually is a big part of the show, which I've never done because I'm not a stand-up comedian. But the show does have a stand-up element to yes, it. Yes, it does. I mean, it does have, like, every element to it, really. It's stand-up, improv, solo show, storytelling, uh, mu- music? No, the music is in Sometimes the kids' show. Sometimes a little bit of dance. Sometimes <laughs> a little bit of dance, that's correct. Um... So, yeah, I really thought that would be the way to do it, uh, that, that would be the, the show, and uh, that just doesn't work. I mean, if you're famous, you can do that. You can just show up somewhere and make a show happen yeah, yeah, because people want to hear about your crazy experiences in Hollywood or on Broadway, whatever. I'm not famous. Um, <laughs> until this podcast is heard, then yes. the phone will not stop ringing. We're relevant. So, um, 
Yeah. Uh, the very first time I did the show, actually, um, it was similar to what you saw, but, but um, I kind of loaded up all the questions right away. There were eight categories originally. There's only seven now. Yeah. And then I kind of did a little bit of storytelling and then jumped into the show. But that made the solo show like 40 minutes long, which yeah. just felt painful for me. Sure. Possibly for the audience. <laughs> and a really good friend of mine who has an improvised one-man cabaret show um, said, uh, you know, I'm just not sure. I love the whole thing, but I don't know why. Like, what's the why? Yeah. And this is the thing that I, I'm a solo show teacher and producer and director and developer. And that's always my question is like, why? Why now? Why today? What do you want? Yeah. Because that's what storytelling is. I wanted something, I didn't get it, or I did get it, and here's how it all happened. Mm -hmm. So it made me think, oh, you know, this is, yeah, why? Well, I guess the why is, um, the why is if I'm not doing something, I get incredibly depressed. I mean, I, I battle depression. I, de I battle depression. Uh, there's no way to soften it. Um, comes out of nowhere, you know. And, and you address that in the show. Yeah. Which I didn't. In the original version. Yeah. And then the social anxiety stuff also, which is a big part of the show as well. The irony, of course, how can someone with social anxiety be talking to a bunch of strangers? I got to challenge myself to do that. Otherwise, I will, like I say in the show, stay on the couch and watch Ancient Aliens all yeah. night long. Um, so then that sort of became a part of the show. And then that those elements turned the whole setup around and... That and now, now the first half of the show is literally the first half, which is just getting all the material. Yeah. Um, so really, your show is really kind of a controlled conversation. Oh, that's a good I way mean, to put it. You know, the the first the first part of it is the setup, but you are still you know trying to incorporate the stuff that people are coming up with. Um, you have an idea that you're really playing off of the audience. Um, for a lot of really the best moments of the show is just off the cuff, you know, the, the type of reactionary stuff that you have for what people well, say. Also, people do offer, like, unbelievably personal things. Yeah. I, I mean, last night wasn't that... They were crazy things, but they weren't, like... I mean, I've gotten, like, a family member who was murdered in a watermelon field, actually. I've gotten uh, cancer a number of times. Yeah. You know, um, horrible parents, abuse stories. You know, like, really very vulnerable things, which I always try... Which I always incorporate into the show but in no way do I the challenge is for me not to make fun of that stuff yeah. but to also make sure that stuff is fun and funny without yeah. making fun of it so if somebody tells me something like you know I battled breast cancer I mean I remember one show you know it was like a big wow how am I gonna do this my character lived underneath a woman who was a nude model who got breast cancer who thought her career was over and my character encouraged her to like be the first uh, reconstructive nude model. And then she became famous. There's a lot of layers to that. People tend to become famous in my show. <laughs> <laughs> like characters almost always invent something or, be, or gain a great deal of wealth or fame. Yeah. Maybe this is, maybe this is my subconscious. <laughs> is the thing you want. Why did I say maybe? This is my subconscious. <laughs> um, so with it being improv-based and so many different uh, stories being told, do you think doing so many performances makes you better at the show, or is it a new challenge every time you do it? That's a great question. Yeah, uh, you know, when I was doing it in Edinburgh last summer, that's like 22 days in a row, basically, yeah. doing the show, and I found myself falling into some patterns with the, the, the improv part. Yeah. And I didn't, 
I was starting to get bored with my own show. Uh, what you saw last night, uh, which I like to do, is starting today and then backing up and then telling the character story from when they were a child and what led to how they got to today. Telling the full scope. Yeah, yeah. And I stopped doing that in Edinburgh, and it, it just, I don't know, it just it wasn't working. So then I had to go back to what I knew worked, so a few times I tried to like say, you know what, this is going to be about the worst week of my life in January of 2001, yeah. like this character's week. Sure. And even that, like I always had to go back to like a flashback in yeah. some way. So, you know, I always joke like if I ever have a stage manager for a long run of the show, by the end of the show, the stage manager will say, oh, I get it now. Yeah, you understand the actual story. What it is now. And I kind of felt guilty as an improviser, like doing basically the same envelope, I suppose, or the same structure, or I don't know what the word is. I'm blanking. Um, Same plot, almost. Well, yeah, device. Device. The same storytelling device. Yeah. And um, um, several improvisers said, no, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. Like, you, you you do what works for you. Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, when you're on like an improv team or something, there's always like the one person who's always going to be bringing a ton of energy to the scene, yeah. or the one who's always going to bring in the bad news, or it's, the one it's, who's going to bring in a It's a thing that you can like kind of, you know, take a rope and kind of like s- sustain that one thing that keeps you grounded. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I need that. Otherwise, I'll go crazy. Yeah. And, and there were a few shows in Edinburgh where like the sh- you know the the solo show is over. And I go, well, that made no sense. Like, there was no, like, it just bounced around like a yeah. ball. But, you know, that, I think that's also part of the fun. I think the audience kind of likes seeing me get into trouble. And then they like seeing me get out of trouble, which is actually what comedy is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's Bill Irwin said it. Comedy is someone in trouble trying to get out of trouble. So it, it, I almost feel like the audience can see the wheels turning yeah. in my head. Like, oh, crap, what am I going to do with this I think now? My, my favorite reaction <laughs> is when a weird... Uh, suggestion comes up, and you just kind of s- uh, stand there for a minute and go, "Oh, like how do I add that?" Because <laughs> yeah. there were some weird ones that uh, we got, like the cavalcade, and yes. you were like, "What is that?" What even is that? <laughs> well, I was happy to know when I went home and told my billet people about that. They didn't know what a cavalcade was either, and they live here. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> But Just then I had to go on a riff about the female anatomy, and I didn't know much about that. I, I liked how you... Well, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I knew about fallopian tubes. I mean, why... That yeah, and that was and that was that was part of the suggestion <laughs> that someone gave to you, and I just I saw your face just go, whoa, wait, hold on, wait, what's going on? And then you know, and so this is how crazy the show is. I'll just describe part of it because it won't be the same. It so will not, there is no it spoiler will not happen alert again. And so. Uh, <laughs> You said, you know, you can move the props, the lights go down, you move the props, you change the sound, you do whatever, you give me suggestions. Uh, the person controlling the props put the chair on top of a table, and then the, and then it went into this, you know, female anatomy thing, and every time you actually got up on the chair, Well, she moved it to down. the back of the theater. Oh, yeah, which that was, was She, like, turned my show into immersive theater, yeah. which was an interesting choice for an audience member. And then... Uh, you got up on there and it was like, oh, Jesus. And like, because it was wobbling and you were like scared of your life for a second. And then every time you were like, and then I had to talk about the, 
and you gesture to the audience and someone be like fallopian tube and like it's like oh, oh okay gotcha <laughs> like we went through like three of them and i was like when is this gonna end but how could my character have ever become a successful porn star if he didn't know female anatomy especially because he was oh a, yeah and, a they, and he was name. A, and he was a and he was a uh, porn star that had a female name that was a woman maybe maybe i'm not sure i mean either yeah, it <laughs> it really went all different directions. It really did. But that was the first time I've ever gotten a female name. And really? I've done this show like 70 times. No one's ever given me a different gender name. That's fantastic. And I just didn't, I, you know, I just didn't want to do that thing of just like... Turning to, into that character. I hate to say acting like a female because that's like such a terrible improv trope, like yeah. for, especially with dudes. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want to go there, so... I like, and, and actually, <laughs> now that you said that, it's... It's interesting because you didn't, and I think you you more took it as a man trying to come up with his own identity, right? That's what it and was. And being being forced to have the name Jenny <laughs> versus James, <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> okay, and, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was it was an hour of where is this going? <laughs> and then by the end, like it going, oh, okay, yeah. This is a heartfelt story. Oh, yeah. I, see, I, I always tell people this. I always forget what happens until someone reminds me because I'm just doing the show. And actually, I, I, and told, you, I told you this yesterday. Right. My, my favorite line, <laughs> and it actually, it, uh, close to the end of the performance, um, I was talking about my favorite line, and it was, we're performing the Christian version of Fiddler on the Roof. Right. And you had someone... Sing the opener, right. and the person grabbed the microphone she from did. you. She took the mic, not knowing any of the song. Um, and you said you forget uh, about some of the shows yeah. that you improvise, or at least some of the details, because you know doing it a whole bunch, there's no way. Yeah, is there one plot or one part of a show that like sticks out in your mind as like, oh, that was like either dramatic gold or comedy gold? Uh, I had two. One, uh, the most recent one was in Pittsburgh, actually. And for some reason, my character pulled a woman in the front row up on to the stage because they were going on a date. And she was the worst improviser. I mean, <laughs> she said no to every offer. Every offer. Wow. And my character wound up falling in love with her because she was a no person. And she finished the show with me. I mean, she literally was That's on fantastic. stage finishing the show with me. That was really How fun. early on in the show did you actually have her stand up? Oh, it was like the fifth scene, which is like the second to last scene. I tried oh, to do wow. like six different scenes. And actually, the other one that I, I, I wish could happen again, but I can't because that's improv, was the very, very first time I did the show, uh, something a life-changing experience. And someone said I jumped out of a plane. And I just started the show like balancing on the <laughs> stool on my stomach. <laughs> flying through the sky and describing the land below and of course you know of course the chute didn't open and yeah. the <laughs> character was paralyzed and had to like it always happens okay. don't do it oh, I'm so mad I didn't bring the mean wheelchair dairy farmer into the show last night because uh, oh the, always, the dairy farmer where all the workers are in wheelchairs in wheelchairs I didn't get to actually be a person in a wheelchair yeah. I regret that <laughs> I regret that. Well, the person last night didn't move the props around a lot. They they they, they moved kept them adding them back. They kept adding props. Yeah, which and I, I liked. was whispering to her. I was going, "You can clear the clear the set." And I'm like, "This is a, pre a regular person. They have no idea what clear the set means." But I think I, I but I that's what I kind of loved about it is they were like, "Um, what do I?" Do? So it's it's natural. They're just like, "Add more." Add more. <laughs> <laughs> I've had people like get just ridiculous, and in the old days, uh, the person who did the set also did. Actually, there was no prop box in the old days. 
and in Edinburgh, there was more furniture. There was always a ladder. A ladder is really fun yeah. to play with. It's a Christmas tree. It's a treehouse. It's it's anything. Yeah. Um, but the stage in Edinburgh was so small that I couldn't have like a stool, a bucket, a broom. I couldn't have all that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I need something. So I just added a prop box. And um, what happened is people get like crazy and they'll put like all the props on. They'll just dump the whole prop box on there. Wow. You know, in which case my character obviously works in an antique store. You know? <laughs> like what else am I going to do Just everything, that? everything. Yeah. They yeah. can't touch anything. So less is more. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you said that during the show as well. <laughs> and they were just like, okay, yeah, I'll keep adding stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, yesterday you mentioned to me, um, you get a lot out of this performance. And you said it's, it's almost like a form of therapy for yourself, but also it's a form of therapy for the audience as well. Being able to say all of those suggestions, being vulnerable. Yeah. So when someone goes to see your show, with that in mind... What do you hope the audience takes away from your performance in the end? Wait, takes away from my performance or takes away from the experience? Either one. Mm. I, well, I, think, I think the experience of vulnerability. Yeah, I mean, it's more important to me that they take away... Some, I mean, look, taking away my perf something from my performance is going to help sell tickets, right? Sure. Comedians, you like them because of their personality. So yeah. I'm hoping that they like my personality. And then there are certainly the people that are just like, he's a little snide. I don't like his personality. <laughs> and then there was someone who was like, oh, he's snide like me. I like that. Uh, uh, but more importantly is that they take away from something from the show uh, that, like, you know, sometimes you just got to just wing it and just see what happens. Or, or people who, like, have a better understanding about what social anxiety is uh, and, un and, and have more compassion for people who get depressed and, you know, don't leave the house. Uh, there's a lot going on, and it's... It's not about you. It's about them. Um, so if I can, in some way, like enlighten people to these different mental health issues, then I feel like I've kind of done a good job. Yeah. Um, and then you know, if people can laugh for an hour. I think that's pretty good. Very true. Like not thinking about anything in the outside world because they're so thinking, what the hell is this idiot going to do next? But also thinking inwardly about their suggestions of what they would have said. Oh, well, which is which is the thing that think. I actually kind of dropped into. You know, I kind of have the same problem where you know, if I'm in a, a large, you you said in the show, you know, you're you're welcome to go into a party, but you like to be like in the corner, not talking with anybody. Yeah. And I related to that so heavily. So during the performance, I kept on going back to that, like. Oh, he doesn't want to be here. Like, oh, I don't want to be here. But, but how does that? What was the relationship with that like? And yeah. like, I think that you know, it's that form of therapy in a way that you you're feeling vulnerable about the stuff that you're willing to hear about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then and then there's this this huge like conflict of like like I said before about but if you're socially anxious, what? How can you do the show? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and then there's always like people who just like want to stick around afterwards and talk. And I'm like, did you learn nothing? <laughs> <laughs> so we are plugging Peter's show, which is show up. So show up, but don't stay. <laughs> just show up for the show. You know what? If you want to stay, help me clean up the set. That's all. That's all you have that's to fair. do. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, Peter, thank you so much for talking. This was really interesting. Thank I you. loved it. <laughs> You're great. Wow. We have an audience. And that is the end of the interview with Peter Michael Marino. Peter, 
Thank you so much for being able to talk with me. I had a absolute blast. If you want to find more about Peter, look up his website, petermmarino.com, or the specific show website, which is showuptheshow.com. You can also get tickets to the rest of the shows at the Fringe Festival here in Cincinnati at cincyfringe.com. Make sure to go. I absolutely loved it. This has been Jackson. Make sure to stay weird, Fringe, and have an artful day. Music